Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to join me in the book of Psalms, chapter 26 and verse number 12. It's in this passage of scripture that the, that the psalmist David speaks about his foot standing in an even place. And I want to tell you tonight that in the world that we're living in, in the society that we're living in, in the atmosphere that we're living in, we certainly need the hand and the spirit of God to help us stand in that even place. Amen. And so if you will read with me, my foot standeth in an even place in the congregations will I bless the Lord. My foot standeth in an even place. And in the congregations, I will bless the Lord. And I want to speak to you this evening from this subject, living a balanced life. Living a balanced life. And you can be seated. Thank you for standing. It's very easy to take our feet for granted. I remember a number of years ago, Brother uh, Medrick Corin, certainly a friend of this congregation, and we miss he and his wife. But I remember when Brother Corin began to have trouble in his feet. His health was failing him, and he started having some issues. And he said, over and over, he said, you're in trouble when your landing gear goes out. And that was how Brother Corin put it, his own way. And it's very easy to take our feet or our foot for granted. But in truth, the foot is for mankind. It's our instrument of motion. It's how you get from point A to point B. It's how you move. So it's an important thing to acknowledge something that decides every direction that we're going to take in our lives. And so in the course of my life, I have broken my left ankle years ago as a young man in a motorcycle accident. A few years after that, I broke my lower right leg in an automobile accident. And so each of those injuries took months to heal. But even today, I still have some lingering issues because your feet are very, very important. They're very important. And I think it's safe to say that we really think little about our feet as we go day to day. It's just part of our world and part of our body. We may wash it when we begin our day, but we quickly put it in a shoe or a boot or something and we take off. At the end of the day, we just wash it and, uh, and we're off again, only to repeat the same thing tomorrow, over and over and over and over. And unless something really happens throughout the course of the day to bring attention to it, we think really little about it. But it's very, very important to the, day, to the day's tasks. It's, it's the Spirit of God that touched the mind and the heart of Solomon as he wrote the words in Proverbs 4 and 26 that we should ponder the path of our feet. We should think about where we're going and what we're doing. Amen. That's not just talking about 
a literal path that we would take in our life, but I think everything. I think to a degree, our feet denote many things about us. It denotes somewhat of our relations. It it denotes something about our affections. And so we walk toward things, in other words, that hold our attention or perhaps hold our affection. And so when our feet are right or when our feet are balanced or when they're even, we're in right relationship with God. And so we live in this world, a world that is filled with extremes. Um, We have this Adamic nature that has a, a propensity of its own to just be extreme. I've said many times we're either freezing to death or burning up. There's very few times we walk around and say, man, it is just right. It is just right. There is just an extreme bent in, in all of us. And so I've got to be careful in the world that we live in, in a society that we live in, because of that extremism is in our world. So we have to be very careful that I don't allow the spirit of this world or my own nature to become the compass that charts the course of my day. I need the hand of God to help me live a balanced life. Therefore, Psalms 26 and 12 stands as a, a stark reminder of how important it is to not only find balance, but you got to keep balance. And so, um, you know, we understand all of us here tonight what it is to balance something. If we were to talk about balancing something in our hand, just because you have it balanced doesn't mean it's going to stay balanced. You've got to do something to maintain that. You've got to work feverishly to ensure that it happens day after day. And so with that said, I want to turn our attention to the book of Genesis. And I want to go to the 19th chapter of the book of Genesis. The Bible talks about a, a story uh, in Genesis 19. Um, it is the rescue of Lot and his family. And, and uh, it's an incredible story. There's a lot of sermons here or lessons here I want us to just focus on a little bit here tonight. Genesis 19 and 15. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened to Lot, saying, Arise and take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of this city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters. The Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth and set him without the city. And it came to pass that when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life, and look look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, Oh, not so. Oh, not so, my Lord. Behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy which thou hast showed upon me in saving my life. And I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me and I die. Behold, now this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is this not a little one? And save my soul. In verse number 18 of our reading tonight, Here is the hand of God that is miraculously sent to rescue. But Lot says something that takes us all by surprise. In the throes of this miraculous rescue, the Lord instructs Lot specifically through his angels where to go. He said, escape for thy life. Look not behind thee. 
neither stay thou in all the plain, but he said, escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. Amen. This is not only instructions of where to go. This is not only instructions of, of where to go, but it is followed by a very powerful charge, lest thou be consumed. Lot stands at the threshold of destruction of his home, of his family, everything around him, friends, acquaintances, everything that he has known. He is standing at the threshold of all of that being annihilated. The angels have, according to scripture, they have taken him and they have led him and his family safely because the scripture said he was lingering. Yet against the backdrop of this divine intervention and divine instruction, instruction, Lot says something that I find staggering because he said, not so, my Lord. Here is a place that you can go and find hope and here is a place that you can go and find safety. Here is a place, I, I'm telling you that what's fixing to happen behind you is so serious, you don't even need to turn around and look at this and that is what happened to Lot's wife. We, we know the story and the, and the scriptures that follow that. But the angels have, have bidden him, you, you have got to go here if you're going to escape Sodom. But instead of just going at the command of God, he barters. He, what, what, can you imagine at this moment he is bartering with God? He's asked, well, I don't want to go to the mountains. If you will, there's just a little city of Zoar. If you'll just let me go there. And so if you'll think about this scene with me, amid utter madness and amid all of this confusion, he is debating with the voice and angelic representation of his Redeemer, debating, trying to barter, trying to have my way and not your way. However, God in his mercy granted him his request. One Bible commentator said it this way, the man who did not have room enough in the whole country when he was with Abraham, has now just wound up in a hole in the hill. Amen. A man that didn't have enough when he had more than enough has now wound up in a hole in the hill. And I, I think we would have to agree that Lot, Lot was a very strange man. And in many ways, he had puzzling uh, responses to things. It would, it would seem at first glance when you keep him in the company and in the caravan of Abram and his family and, and when you would keep him there, it would seem like that, that Lot was righteous in his heart. But we would have to say, if we know the whole story, that Lot was not ever truly separated. He was never separated. It was, there was something in his heart. He never really separated enough from the world that he could connect fully to God. And, and if I could just pause here to say th something by way of reminder, this is not first-time information for anybody here tonight, but you, the message of separation is not just, just to be separated from the world. The full message is we have to separate from the world, but we've got to be connected unto God. Amen, because there is the completeness and the wholeness. And so, in truth, it's, it's very puzzling. And it, and it seems that, that, that at first glance, Lot had the heart of the matter, or the root of the matter. It was in him, but we see him do things that really cause us to wonder. Because, for instance, if you know the story of Lot, then you know that he pitched his tent towards Sodom. That's not a random statement. That's not recorded in error. 
It's there for a reason. It's to let us know that everything looks well on the outside, but there's some, there's some bent in his heart that would cause you to want to turn your family and your life and pitch your tent toward Sodom. And so I believe this implies that his feet were not in a balanced place. They were not in an even place. His feet seem to imply that his affections now are pointed in the wrong direction. There's a righteousness on the outside, but there is something woefully off-centered within. Although while in Sodom he got rich and, and obviously had a place of prominence or at least a place of influence, we know by reading the story that he paid an incredibly high price for all of that. The Bible has something powerful, I believe, to say about his reputation behind closed doors. The scripture speaks about Lot's wives, or his, rather his daughters, his two daughters. And then the Bible talks about his son-in-laws. They didn't uh, seem to be married uh, because of what verse 8, number, number 8 says, that they had not known men, but they were merely engaged. But in biblical times, an engagement was much more serious than sometimes we take it in our Western society today. Amen. So because of how serious they took this engagement, these son-in-laws, or soon-to-be son-in-laws, were already under the umbrella protection of Lot. Amen. They were, they were esteemed to be a part of Lot's family. And so by that very fact, they were entitled to the protection of God's of Lot's God. Amen. God was going to not just look out for Lot. He wasn't just going to pluck Lot and his wife or his daughters out and leave them. But there had been a commitment made. And so they were just as entitled to the protection of that promise as anyone. But it seems clear that these son-in-laws did not escape the punishment that came to Sodom. Amen. They did not escape the punishment that came from these wicked men. And the reason for that is given in verse number 14. Genesis 19 and 14, the Bible says, And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. So you got to get everything together and you've got to get out of here because God is about to destroy this city. But the rest of that verse says, but he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. And so here is a father-in-law that comes and he says, hey, God has spoken to me. And, and there's going to be great destruction. He has sent angels to redeem and help our family. But the Bible says that the son-in-laws looked at him and another translation said that he seemed to be joking. This is just a mockery. He's just jesting. And so I would submit to you tonight just for consideration, is it possible that Lot did things that caused them that caused him to lose that right of rebuke in their lives? Was there something in his life that they sense there's something not connected to God? I mean, he's, he's, he says this here, but we see him do things elsewhere. Amen. Perhaps they respected him as a person, or maybe they respected him as a businessman, but perhaps they didn't, and maybe they even respected him as a potential father-in-law, but when it came to spiritual matters. There was an imbalance in his life and they had no respect and no regard for his warning and that is a staggering passage and a staggering thought. 
And so I want to address every parent, every grandparent, every aunt, every uncle, or every influencer. Amen. Please don't do anything to cause those who know you best to lose confidence in your walk with God. I don't need to have be one thing, amen, here and something else somewhere else, amen, because there's going to come a day when you're going to sound a warning and those around you are not going to take you serious because they don't have confidence in what's in in your heart. Amen. I hope this is making sense this evening because if our life outside church doesn't match what goes on in church, then those around us are never going to take our words serious. Amen. I want Lord help me to live a balanced life. Help me to understand the value of, of, of hearing something and being able to pass that on with power and passion. And so here are these young men that received a solemn warning, but they, they thought it just some ridiculous tale. Uh, well, our father-in-law, we don't know what he's talking about. We don't know what he's thinking. And, and here we go again with another harebrained idea. And they lost their lives because they didn't understand the value of what he was trying to pour into them. And so they made no provision for their escape and no doubt perished. And so sadly here we think about these two young men that were within arm's reach of sincerely offered grace. Amen. They died within the reach of hope. They were right there under the umbrella of Lot and his family. They were right there. They were right there, but because they didn't have confidence in a man that may have lacked balance in his own life, they became victims of the judgment that fell on this ungodly city. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Help me to walk right, not just when people are watching. Help me to talk right, not just, not just when, when somebody is around me and the moment is convenient, but I pray in the stillness of night. I pray, Lord, when we are all alone, that my heart is right and it is pure within. Amen. Lot, Lot, I think we could safely say, was never in the perfect will of God. And his life was, one man wrote, he said, tuned to the wrong note. And so therefore, light's lot played out in the key of rebellion because he tuned to the wrong thing. Never wholly right, never fully right, never all the way in, just one foot in, one foot out. And so Lot looks at mercy in the eyes. Mercy is holding his hand. Mercy has gathered his family. Mercy said, we're going to get you out of here. There is destruction coming. It's going to be like never before. Amen. Sodom and Gomorrah, not a trace ever found. You can't imagine the magnitude of the fallout. And they look mercy. They're standing within arm's reach of mercy, with arm's reach of hope. Amen. But but it was the messenger. It was the voice. It was that that was coming to them. They had no confidence in. And so Lot is standing here himself and he looks in the eyes of the angels and says not so. Now sadly there's just too many people that walk in this way. They choose their own refuge instead of God's. Their own will instead of God's. They start out to profit themselves instead of to please the Lord and and they live in the Sodom of this age. And so I want us to leave Genesis for just a moment. 
Because if we stay in the book of Genesis, you're going to think we're so far removed from 2022 that this doesn't apply to us. But I will tell you that they live, there are people that live in the Sodom of this world, in the influence of this world, and they're going to be doomed to the judgment of this world. And so that's why I say it won't matter that you know how to clap on time. It won't matter that they don't, you don't need the words on the screen for you. You've got all that memorized. You know where we're going. You know where the key changes are. It won't matter that you know exactly where to say amen and how how to respond at the end of a service. What matters is what's in our heart. Are we really balanced before God? Amen. Do we really have the spirit of hope dwelling in our heart and in our lives? And so when it comes, when it all comes, there are some people that just cannot give in all the way. Please don't make me go to the mountain. Just let me go to Zoar instead. Amen. Now, what happened to Zoar is a whole different story, a whole other message, but read it. It's horrifying. I don't want to go where you want me to go. I want to go where I want to go. Amen. People that can attend church at heart but deal with a spirit of rebellion, that's serious. It's very serious. And I'm afraid that some people have forgotten the warning of James when James says in James 4 and 4 that the that friendship of the world is enmity with God. And so we can say, well, you know, I, it's like talking about being an, an idol worshiper. We're thinking as long as some carved wooden pole is not in our front yard that we're not worshiping the idol. But there's a lot of things that can become idol worship and a lot of things that... Where we can be holding hands with the world, so to speak. And so some people can say, well, I'm not a friend of the world. I don't do this and I don't do that. I don't dip or chew or run with girls who do. <laughs> Amen. So I, I don't do this, I don't do that. And so uh, the preacher, certainly he's not talking to me. He, th this message was not for me and we just hope so-and-so sure got it. I don't go to nightclubs, don't live a promiscuous life and all of that may be true, but we've got to wear our heart. We've got to measure our spirit. Amen, I want to say like David, help my foot stand in an even place. I want to find balance in this world because there is deeper trouble when we have rebellion in our spirit against the will of God. Amen. They, people sometimes know what they should be doing, but they decide we're just going to do it my way. I will just turn this and tweak this. And, you know, there's a story in the Scripture when they're talking about transferring and, and moving the vessels from the house of God. And so they place these vessels in the hand of those couriers that would be carrying them from point A to point B. But I think, I think there's something very... Uh, very powerful and certainly worth noting about this. And that is that not only were these vessels numbered, but they were weighed. And so whatever number vessel you had in your possession, when you get where you're going, that's the number that you've got to have in your hand. But it was also weighed so that no one would stop along the way and just sliver a little bit of the gold or the silver off and sell some of it and, and, and let it be worth less than what it really is when it gets to the other end. And so we're going to number these vessels and we're going to weigh these vessels because we're entrusting you with something. I'm going to tell you, you can't put something that valuable in the hand of just anyone. you got to know. Amen. I will tell you tonight that we have a treasure in an earthen vessel, but I'm thankful that the Lord, amen, I told him along with many of you just this 
morning again. I want to thank you for filling me with the Holy Ghost, Lord. I just want you to know I've had the Holy Ghost a long, long time. Amen. I've had it a many a year right now, but I want you to know I'm still as thankful today as I am the day that you baptized me with your spirit. I want you to know I appreciate you touching me as a young man. Thank you for every voice that ever spoke into my life, every teacher that ever broke off a piece of themselves and instructed me along the way. Amen. I want to not only know what I should be doing, but I want to preserve and protect the value of the treasure that has been placed in my heart. And so Lot's response to all of this redemption is not so. But that's not the only time we read that in Scripture. We can turn in the New Testament and find Simon Peter using that in Acts chapter 10 and verses 11 and 12. The Lord gives Simon Peter a powerful vision. He saw heaven open, a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And then in verse number 13, the Bible says, And there came a voice to him, Rise, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And here was what this righteous man's response was. This righteous, godly man said, Not so, Lord, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. But almost in the tone of rebuke, the Lord said, What? God hath cleansed. Amen. You can't call that common. You just can't, you can't say that there's no value to this if God has cleansed it. Amen. So I ask you this evening, do you see the dichotomy here? Amen. Do you see this huge contradiction between Lot and between Simon Peter? Because here it is. Lot was not separated enough, but Simon Peter in the New Testament is separated too much. Lot said, it's no big deal. I'll just do my own thing. And now Simon Peter is saying, whoa, whoa, I can't, take, I can't touch that. That's unclean. But the Lord said, I've already cleaned that. And so don't call that unclean. He was about to learn a very powerful lesson. Every creature of God is good. And nothing can be refused if it's been sanctified by the word of God and by prayer. Amen. Simon Peter was a, a Jew and his ceremonial convictions were, uh, were in, a, in the right place. He, in, in one way, he was right. Amen. But it was going to take a special revelation for the Lord to reveal to him, you've got to break through some things in your own heart. Amen. I believe that we need a revelation like that today ourselves. We need the Spirit of God to help us understand that what God sends our way. Amen. I want to say, Lord, thank you for every soul that walks through that door. It doesn't matter how bruised their life is. It doesn't matter how damaged their past is. It doesn't matter how scarred the road they've been walking, how many potholes are in them. But oh, Lord, I just want you to know that we say, Lord, if you thought it was worthy, amen, if you thought they deserved a chance, then who am I to sit from the vantage point of a pulpit or the vantage point of a pew with a spiritual clipboard in my hand and say yes, yes, no, no. Amen. I say, Lord, if they walked in the door, they got breath in their lungs, they got a soul that's going to spend eternity somewhere. Help us to be a balanced church. Help us to live a balanced life. Not too far this way, but not too far that way. Amen. Amen. Like many today, Simon Peter was very sincere. But there are, and, 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 and there are those that have lost their way. I've often reminded people that, that there are guardrails on each side of the road for a reason. 
Because you, you can get killed in those ditches. You need that guardrail. We don't need to be in this ditch, but we don't need to be in that one either. We need to stand in an even place. Amen. Sadly, I've watched people overreact in both directions. I've watched people through the years overreact and just throw anything away that had to do with biblical sound doctrine and holiness or separation within or without. Amen. Just having anything goes mindset. God's just looking on the heart. Doesn't matter what we do. Amen. You know, and, and, and I've watched them run that course and, and, and this doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. But I want you to know tonight emphatically that it does matter. It really does matter because I believe that people should not only be able to sense, but they ought to be able to see that there is a difference between somebody that has been filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Their life has been redeemed by the power and by the blood of God. There ought to be something on the inside and there ought to be something on the outside. Amen. Something that somebody can sense. There is something real that's trans, that has transpired in your life and in your heart and in your mind. Praise God and then I've watched others I've watched others sadly that they went over to the other ditch and I will tell you tonight that there is danger in both of them and there is death in both of them amen if that if we're not careful that sets us up amen to be have, have such a strong acidic stand amen that we get out of the word of God I know what I'm talking about tonight I'm not trying to sound pompous but I know what I'm talking about you can get out of the word of God going either direction. We need the word of the Lord to bring hope and to bring balance to our lives because when we go out the other way, amen, that sets us up to have an air of superiority and amen, that, that Pharisaic pride, that holier than thou. And to be honest with you, it's hypocritical and it's wrong and it's dangerous because people need help and they need are only going to find help if they know there's hope. Hope. I'm glad I've never been to an emergency room and said, don't bring that bleeding limb in here. We just mopped the floor. Don't bring those problems here. And they didn't even bat an eye. They said, that's why we built this. We're apologizing. We're getting things. Well, don't worry about that. We get that later. This is why we're here. We're here because we knew that somebody like you were going to be in need and it was going to be the worst day of your life. And you didn't know when this was going to happen. So that's why we decided to just put shifts of people here. We're going to be here 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And it won't matter when you get hurt. It won't matter when the accident. It won't matter when calamity strikes. You just know this, that right now in hospital rooms all around the world, this very moment, there's just somebody waiting. If somebody goes wrong, God forbid, and I hope it don't, but they're sitting ready. It's not going to be an inconvenience. You're not going to be in their way. You're not going to interrupt their night, their day, their world. That's why they went to work tonight. That's why they went to work this morning. That's why they went to school. They prepared, and I just want the Lord to know, and I want us to be in harmony tonight. I want us to be in balance tonight when we say it. Amen, Lord. It doesn't matter how bloody they are. It doesn't matter how broken they are. I just want you to know that's why we built this building. That's why we maintain this building. That's why we make sure the lights are on. That's why we make sure we're here front and center every time because it doesn't matter what the need is. If you entrusted them to us, we want to have enough courage and confidence in your word to know, to know. Amen. 
but we're not going to be able to minister to them if we're over here too far or if we're over here too far. We've got to say, Lord, like David, help us to be in an even place, a balanced place, an open-minded place. Amen. Here's something I think we should all understand. I'll ask our musicians to come. Here's something I think we should all understand, and that is this. Satan is clever. Now, if you've been here to church very long, you know I don't give him a lot of pulpit time. But he's clever. And if he can't lure the believer to Sodom with Lot, then he'll just take him to the other extreme. Because he knows you can die in either ditch. So you don't have to be over here in this crowd throwing in the towel, throwing our hands up. I give and we're just going to hope for the best. Or you don't have to be in the crowd that's over here so rigid and hard that there's no flexibility at all. The devil will let you join any camp as long as he can keep your focus off what's pertinent. As much as we need separation from Sodom, I please hope I'm not misunderstood here this evening. As much as we need separation from Sodom, we also need to be careful that we don't become that overly separated person that's so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Somebody needs to find safety. Amen. One man aptly wrote, he said, it is often easier to convert a person out of Sodom than to convert them out of self-righteousness. Now, I think this point can be seen over and over. I will say that again. It is often easier to convert a person out of Sodom than it is to convert a person out of self-righteousness. Maybe a very reachable example of this is found in Luke chapter 15 because it seems in the end that the prodigal son was not nearly as hard to win back as the brother that stayed home was. I'm asking you who had a better spirit at the dinner table that night. The prodigal was happy to be home. But the boy that stayed home was mad he stayed home. I've been here. I didn't leave. Can you imagine? And we're just going to kill the fatted cat? We're going to go over, what's all this music about? Nobody played music last night at supper. Amen. Something he failed to realize is the beginning of that story opens that he asked for his inheritance and spent all he had. He never got that back. If you could understand, he's already paying the price. If we can understand that the, the Bible talks about whatsoever man soweth, that shall he reap, also reap. And so the last thing somebody with sin problems need is a church with judgment problems. They've already got a high enough price to pay. They've drug in all kind of baggage from yesterday. They just need a soft place to land. Amen. They need a safe place to land. Is this all right? Yes, Amen. Let's stand. Can we? <clears throat>
in the mess, in the in the ministry, in the life, and the ministry of Jesus, it seemed, and, and I think I'm safe in saying this, that he had greater influence with the publicans and sinners than he did the Pharisees. I hope you understand this evening that I'm not saying we should just live on the edge and throw things to the wind. No. He knew who he was. He never compromised anything. You don't have to compromise anything to be who you are. And and there is a frightening phrase in Scripture. When Jesus talked about the Pharisees, he said, let them alone. Let them alone. In truth, Peter was no Pharisee. He was just honest. And he struggled. Amen. But God spoke to his heart. He was sincere when he said, Lord, I can't eat this. Lot said, not so. And it wasn't so. He didn't go to the mountain. And he did go to Zoar. And he did what he wanted to do. Simon Peter said, not so. But when the Lord spoke, it changed everything. Amen. That's the difference between somebody that has a balance and someone that doesn't have balance in their life. Because when we get out of the way and in error, and we will because we're human, but the Spirit of the Lord can speak to us. And His Word can bring us right back into check, right back into balance. Amen. I want to close with this scripture, Job 31 and 6. Job says this, Let me be weighed in an even balance that God may know Mine integrity. Amen. So Job, like David, say, bring me some evenness. Because when I'm weighed in an even balance, God is going to be able to see this. Amen. One man of the book of Daniel was weighed, but he was found wanting. I don't want to be found wanting. I want to be found balanced. Balanced. And I will tell you that as we live in the hour in which we're living, our faith, our courage, our confidence is going to be challenged and it's going to be tried. The Lord has brought this church many challenges through the years where we've had to adjust ourselves. We've had to kind of reestablish our stance. Amen. Because the wind was blowing. And so we've got to be uh, evangelistic and we've got to We've got to have arms that reach with compassion and then we've also got to have feet that will stand and stand firm and hold on. Amen. So Lord, help us to find that balance. And I said it a moment ago, just because you find balance don't mean you're not going to lose it again. And we're going to have to keep adjusting all along the way. But Lord, help us to be balanced in our approach. Can we just magnify the Lord? Amen. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. 
Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.